When the middle watch was on And the time went slow, boy Who could choose a rousing stave Who like Jack or Joe, boy Long we've tossed on the road This is the daily podcast from St Paul's Knightsbridge An invitation to pause for not more than ten minutes each day To think, to reflect and to pray As sea shanty mania sweeps the nation, our thoughts this week turn to the sea and to the missionary journeys of arguably Christianity's most impactful apostle and our patron, St. Paul. Our guide throughout this week is Roland Brunner. Don't forget your old shipmate. Today's third journey is fairly similar to St. Paul's second one and includes a few stations of his much shorter first journey. He starts from Antioch in Syria, crosses through Asia Minor, which is nowadays south and west Turkey. He stays in Ephesus from where he reaches Macedonia, the nowadays northern parts of Greece, and from where he descends into Greece and Achaia, Athens and Corinth that is back to Ephesus, and then to Jerusalem, by ship, where he got arrested. But let's go a bit more into detail. On his third missionary journey, which took place between 52 and 56 AD, Paul revisited Ephesus and lived and worked there for some three years. From Ephesus, he wrote one of his letters to the Corinthians and, it appears, dispatched Titus to assist the Christians there. Following a riot instigated against him by the silversmith Demetrius, Paul left Ephesus and headed for Macedonia. Receiving news from Corinth through Titus, Paul, in Macedonia, composed the other letter to the Corinthians. He also went to Corinth and probably from there he wrote his letter to the Romans. On his way to Jerusalem, Paul went back via Asia Minor and not directly from Greece. Paul spoke at Troas, the ancient Troy, and raised the accidentally killed Eutychus to life. He also stopped at Miletus, where he met with the overseers of the Ephesus congregation, reviewed his own ministry and encouraged them to imitate his example. As Paul continued his journey, Christian prophets along the way foretold that an inquest awaited him at Jerusalem. The prophecies were fulfilled. While Paul was at the Jerusalem temple to cleanse himself ceremonially, Jews stirred up mob violence against him, but Roman soldiers rescued the apostle. On his way up the stairs to the soldiers' quarters, Paul got permission to address the Jews. As soon as he mentioned his commission to preach to the Gentiles, violence erupted anew. Inside the soldiers' quarters, Paul was stretched out for whipping in an effort to ascertain the nature of his guilt. The apostle prevented this by calling attention to his Roman citizenship. Some days later, high priest Ananias, some of the older men of the Jews, 
and the orator Tateus came to Caesarea to present the case against Paul before Governor Felix, accusing Paul of stirring up treason and trying to profane the temple. The apostle showed that there was no evidence to support their charges against him. But Felix, hoping for a bribe, kept Paul in custody for two long years. When Felix was replaced by Festus, the Jews renewed their charges. The case was heard again at Caesarea, and Paul, to prevent a transfer of the trial to Jerusalem, appealed to Caesar. Paul and some other prisoners were sent to Rome in about 58 AD. When looking at today's journey of Paul, I became increasingly curious about Corinth and Paul's letters to the church there. Corinth was a city around 50 kilometers away from Athens and an important city in Paul's days. Generally known as a city devoted to pleasure-seeking, it was a center for Greek culture and a busy commercial city with a cosmopolitan atmosphere that brought together people and customs from different parts of the world. Pagan religions with sexual rites and ceremonies existed, and both materialism and immorality were the accepted order of the day. In view of these conditions, no wonder Paul said he began his Corinthian mission with fear. He was especially anxious to guide new Christian converts with reference to the many perplexing problems that were bound to arise. In other places, the Jewish element with its legalistic tendencies created difficulties. But in Corinth, the moral problem caused greater anxiety. The Corinthian church's membership was composed of people from many different areas and backgrounds, including those whose training and environment were foreign to the Hebrew standard of morality. Paul was deeply concerned that the Christian church in Corinth should make no compromise with the morality or immorality that was customary amongst pagans. Sexual morality was a real problem in the church at Corinth. Neither monogamy nor chastity were regarded as obligatory in the paying society, in which many of the church members were part of before becoming Christians. Paul's instruction regarding marriage must be considered in accordance with his belief concerning the imminence of the second coming of Christ as well with his desire to have the church at Corinth exemplify a high standard of living. The same can be said about his advice concerning the impropriety of women speaking in church. In the city of Corinth, prostitutes customarily spoke in public and to protect the reputation and integrity of the women in the Christian church Paul thought it would be wise for them 
to remain silent. He explains, however, that this is merely his personal opinion. He has received no direct revelation to this effect. All in all, as I'm running out of time today, it is important to understand that before one brands St. Paul as moralistic hardliner and misogynist, one needs to place him into the environment of the first century, then read his letters and then interpret his writings. The results will be astonishing. And you can join Roland Bruno tomorrow for the final in this short series on the missionary journeys of St. Paul. This is just one of many podcasts available on SoundCloud and on Spotify from St. Paul's Lights Bridge. Oh.